Welcome to another great message at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. Come on a great Sunday if you're visiting with us, because what we're doing today is called Seven in Seven, right? And Seven in Seven is when we will have seven speakers in seven minutes. And, um, and so this is going to be absolutely awesome. So I want to call these speakers up right now, and uh, I'll do a quick intro for each of them. Um, and let's start off with our first speaker. I'm going to go ask him to come and sit up front here. Our first speaker today, you all know, it's Pastor Brent. And uh, Pastor Brent, can you put your hands together for him as he comes forward? Once again, Pastor Brent is single. Uh, he, he is looking for... Somebody who wants to be a pastor's wife um, or a pastor, and uh, is, I, is that what you want? To he sent me a text before. He sent me a text before. He's like, "Please, can you just mention it again, just in case?" Yeah, but uh, but but Brent is uh, is our is our a team and community pastor here at Anchor. Does incredible work and uh, leads our young adults, and um, and he has always got an incredible word to share. Oftentimes when I'm sharing or in staff meetings, or whatever, he always adds some powerful things to it. And I know that you're going to be blessed by him today um, as he speaks. Next up, we have my beautiful wife who absolutely hates speaking in front of people and made one condition when we got married or when we were engaged, when I asked her to marry me, she was like, I'll marry you, but just don't make me speak in front of people. But I said to her every now and again, just a little bit, and then when she says, but I don't want to do it, then I say, but it's not about you. <laughs> it's tough love. You know, it's about the kingdom. So anyway, so, um, my, but one thing for those of you that know Lee, you'll know her incredible wisdom. I need her in life. God gave her to me to help me because, you know, I'll just do stuff. I'll just take risks. I'll just, you know, and then she's like, but have you considered how this will impact others? You know, and and so uh, the wisdom that she has, and last Sunday we were driving home and she was like, you know, I just think a great thing that we could include in this series is so-and-so. And I'm like, you shouldn't have said that because now you're going to be speaking on Sunday. So, uh, so that's her. And then next up we have Erin, Erin uh, Bothwell, who is the managing director of Bothwell and Associates, a financial firm um, that does incredible work, but he's also uh, an incredible part of this church. And uh, we've been praying for Erin. You know, how many of you believe in miracles in this place, right? So this is the miracle we're praying for. We, that's what Erin looks like right now, as you can see. This is what we're praying for. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Come on. How many of you believe God can do it? More Lord, more Lord, more here. <laughs> that's how you know God's gone over and above your expectation. More than you can ask or think or imagine. That's how you know God's done it. So, uh, but, but Aaron is also part of our financial committee here at Anchor and, um, you know, often gives a lot of incredible input and wisdom into the finances and how we manage the finances here at Anchor as well. And so we know he's going to share an awesome word today. Um, and then next up we have Will. Um, Will is obviously an elder here and uh, many of you don't know um, Will and Nungi. I'll mention Nungi now in a moment, but uh, Will and Nungi uh, lead a, a, um, a medical franchise, the Back Clinic. Um, they are the everything of the Back Clinic, the leaders, the, the, the founders, the, uh, the directors of the Back Clinic, and 
Um, they actually have every every week when I speak to Will, I'm like, hey man, can we quickly meet for a, uh, you know to discuss something? He's like, oh, I'm in Bloemfontein. We're opening up a new center out here. And then I'm like, hey Will, can we? And he's like, oh, sorry man, I'm going to Polokwane next week to go and start another one, or in uh, in Rustenburg, or I don't even know where all the branches are anymore. They've got them all over Joburg and all over the country at this point. And uh, I have been privileged to be on their journey with them. Um, there was a time, and, and I hope I'm not stealing some of your message, but there was a time when they were um, pawning their car monthly, and then at the end of the month when they've paid salaries, buying it back again, because that's how they got their business started. So it's not like they, ha they were funded and had a whole bunch of money and whatever. They literally, they had one car, and then I would have to drive them to the pawn shop to go get their car back. And I remember the one time there was a, there was a, a, a dispute on the contract because Will Nungi read the contract better than the guy who wrote it. And, um, and so they, there was a dispute. I sat in the car for like an hour and a half going, what is going on in this place? Like, um, I thought I was going to have to drive them forever. But that's how they started. And, uh, and God has blessed them incredibly and they're doing incredibly well. So um, next up we have Eddie, Eddie Meta. Uh, Eddie, if you come forward and uh, you can take a seat here. For those of you that don't know, Eddie and Cantha um, are incredible business leaders. Again, I don't want to steal any of Eddie's story, um, but uh, but they Eddie started by um, by building a, a boiler that can mix chemicals. Uh, designing it himself and then had it made and installed in his garage in Kailami and started, he's a mad scientist, I think that's what they call him, he's a bit of a mad scientist, started, yeah, we're praying, same miracle, same, same, same anointing. Um, we once knew a guy who called it the anointment. I think we, we need to rub some anointment on their, on their heads, but, um, but started actually developing uh, supplements for animals and for livestock and, and so forth. And they started in the garage, and right now they are distributing their supplements to how many countries in the world? About 20 countries in the world. And uh, those supplements are going out to all the chickens in Brazil and the camels in Qatar and the, I don't know what in Japan, but, but those things are going out everywhere, and that started. And every time they move into a new factory, they get a contract that requires them to move into a bigger factory. And the most amazing thing about them is that they are truly kingdom builders, Eddie and Cantha. Right from the get-go, their heart has been to fund the mission of God in Anchor Church and in the kingdom. And, um, and it's been an incredible journey to see them grow. So you're going to learn a lot through them. And then I want to call up Nangi. Uh, obviously, Will's better half. And, um, and uh, Nangi, yeah, come on, let's give it up for Nangi. So Nangi obviously is the brains trust. Will is the face, but Nangi's the brains. I mean, she has the face as well, but no. But, but uh, if you also same thing, if you speak to Nangi, if you if you have a conversation, and as elders as well, um, you know the wisdom that she carries. And I think w Will is just the nicest guy on planet Earth. Nangi's a little bit more "I will end you" kind of a, a vibe, right? And so. She takes care of all those discipline issues at the back clinic. Um, and so, but her wisdom around finances and again, their faithfulness. Um, so everybody on stage here are people that are, I would want to say, tried and tested in their faithfulness. And as a result, have seen God's 
work in their lives. And so they're going to encourage you. They get seven minutes each to encourage you this morning. And uh, then we're going to throw in, we're going to add a little bit of uh, spice at the end with a few quick testimonies uh, from some guys that I'll, that I'll uh, mention in a moment. Um, but first up, I want to call up Pastor Brent. Won't you put your hands together for him as he comes to share? Thanks so much, Pastor A. Um, before my seven minutes starts, could we just take a moment just to honor Pastor A? I know he's walking to the back there, but this series, I know, he, I know he's honored everyone, and, and uh, I know this probably isn't my time to do this, but Pastor A is one of those, those people that refuses to share something unless he 100% believes it's what God has said about it. And it's one of the reasons why this, this series has blessed so many people and really put finances in the right place in our lives. So can we just give Pastor A a, mess, uh, a hand for that? Thanks, Pastor A. Um, awesome. So is my time starting there? Can't see. Sorry, the comfort monitor is three seconds down. Awesome. Well, I'm so glad to be able to be sharing with you guys today in the 7 in 7. And, um, you know, this is going to go quickly, um, but apparently they asked me to share first because it only goes, gets better from here. But uh, at least I'm not twinning like uh, Wulanangi this morning. That's another level. But um, my, my message this morning, the title of my message is Money Matters. And it's Money Matters because God cares about your money in such an amazing way. But it also matters because money matters because it matters how you use your finances. And uh, my first point uh, around this topic today is the fact that, you know, we are a grace-preaching, gospel-centric church. Am I right? And, you know, we, we're a church that is always pointing to Jesus and sharing grace. And I really believe through some amazing messages, the Lord has, has led all or a lot of us to get a deep revelation of grace in our lives. But I think, you know, there's an area of our lives in finances where we, we don't really always have uh, grace in its right perspective in our finances. Am I wrong? You know, we so often come to church and we're so quick to receive grace in so many areas of our lives. You know, we need healing. Oh, Lord, you know, can I receive your grace in this area? I've got relational issues. Can I receive grace in this area? I have addiction problems. Can I receive grace in this area? And when it comes to finances, suddenly, oh, you know, I'm my provider. I'm the one. I work hard. I make my money. I, I, you know, I'm the one that provides for my family. And Lord, you can't have that because you're not the provider in, in my life. And I don't think we realize that we've added this grace perspective to every single area in many cases, except for our finances. Yeah. And, you know, I, an example of this is my little niece is, is 18 months old at the moment, and she's in that life stage where she is just running around, chatting to everybody. She's super friendly. She wants to meet everyone, and that's been tough during COVID, but we had a family, family get-together a couple of weeks back, and we were sitting there all together, and she had a bowl of strawberries, and she was running around and just giving strawberries to everybody. And my, my, my brother and my sister-in-law were saying, well, why don't you go give some strawberries to them, and why don't you go give some strawberries to that person? And without any hesitation, she'll go back to her bowl, go back to the amount she had, and she'll just go and give it to someone else. Go, go and give out of what she had to everybody else. And it got me thinking, you know, what is different in her life that she can just go without a hesitation and just give of what she has? And, you know, I really believe the answer is that she's at that time in her life where she's never had to provide for herself. She's never had to create an income. She's always just had my brother and my sister-in-law provide for her. When her strawberries run out, they give her more strawberries no matter what time it is, you know? And, uh, and I really believe that's the space that we need to give God in our lives, that grace space where we don't just receive everything else in our lives through this amazing gift through Jesus, but receive in our finances as well. 
put Jesus as our provider in his correct place, in that grace place where God is the provider in every area of our lives. And from that space, we're able to give, we're able to be led, and we're able to do something bigger than ourselves. And that leads me on to my second point. And your muddy manners because God has something that he wants to do through you and through your life. You know, God wants to do something bigger than you. And when you keep your finances to yourself and you keep different areas to yourself, it doesn't allow God to expand you in those different areas of your life. But God wants to do something bigger than you can do on your own. And that looks like so often giving into different areas that God wants to give you to. How often do we come to church and we, sorry, just taking my time there. How often do we, do we, we come to church on a Sunday and we're like, Lord, use me. Please, Father, use me. I want to see lives change. I want to share. I want to pray for people. I want to see miracles happen. And God turns around and he says, you know what, miracle I want to do through you today? I want you to go and give into someone's life. I want to change someone's life and show them how much I love them through your finances today. And we turn around and say, anything but my finances, Lord. But please use me, Lord, but anything but my finances. And, you know, the last point I want to get to is how does this look in our lives? You know, it's so easy for me to stand here and say, you know, trust God. I don't know what area or, or what finances look to you in your life right now. You know, who am I to stand here and say, just trust God. Just give when he leads you to give. But as Pastor Adrian mentioned in the, in the offering, like he always does in my messages, shares my message in offering. But in Matthew 6, uh, God, uh, Jesus speaks about looking at the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And they do not toil nor spin, yet your heavenly Father provides for them. God wants to provide for you. How much more does he love you than each of those things? How much more does he care for you? And that is the crux of my message today. How do we put grace in its rightful place in our finances? It's getting a revelation of how much we are loved by God in that area. You know, when you want healing, we're like, Lord, let me know how much you love me. Let me know how much you care for me. When in relationships, Lord, I, I need a revelation of you present in my life. And we need to put that into our finances at the same time. You know, we need to go to God, get a revelation of the fact that he loves us. He'll provide for us. He'll care for us. And uh, I listened to a pastor a couple of weeks back, and something that he said is, without a revelation of love, there's no operation of faith. Amen? How good is that? And, and I want to say, in your finances, God wants to do something through you. He wants to do something big through you. And we're going to be sharing some testimonies later, as Pastor Adrian mentioned. And I want to encourage you guys, when you hear those, testi those testimonies, see it from the grace perspective of how God was loving on each of those people. Let those testimonies stir you up to give you a bigger revelation of how much God wants to love you and care for you and do something through you. Amen? Still got a minute 27, so I can tell a few jokes if you guys want. Awesome. Thanks, guys. I knew last week, as I was telling Adrian what I think would be great to share on, that I should have stopped and that I should have shut my mouth and been a Jonah, but I'm obedient, so here I am. And I'm going to take these few moments to talk about money and marriage, um, sticking with the alliteration titles, um, and being godly stewards of our finances within our marriages. You should all know the classic wedding ceremony verse of Mark 10, verse 8. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. They are no longer two, but one flesh. Now, I'm sure you can think of all the things that that verse does relate to, but I have to, have you ever thought of this verse within the context of finances? And while this isn't the, the focus of my message here, I want to mention that the first part of this verse is about leaving your father and your mother. This means complete independence. 
not only fi especially financially, or should I say, yeah, uh, for the health not only of your marriage, but also for your relationship with your parents and your in-laws. It's not healthy to be in um, financial reliance on, on parents. The second part of this verse talks about becoming one flesh. You cannot be more unified with a person than being one flesh. You are no longer two separate entities. This is the sanctity of marriage. So if you are one, why would you keep your money separate from one another? As one flesh, you are a team. You need to be united in this area. Or without even realizing it, you will slowly tear that flesh apart. Staying united in this area means keeping God as the leader of your team. Seek God first. In Matthew 6.33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. The best way to do this is to realize that rather than being owners of all we have and earn, we are more accurately caretakers of all that God has given us. We brought nothing into this world, and we'll take nothing out of this world. Once couples accept that God owns everything, and you have simply been chosen to be stewards of his property, it will keep you from being precious about your money and help you manage it according to his principles and his standards. It's also important to remember here that his love and your salvation are not dependent on your stewardship. But mindful stewardship is rather a natural result and understanding of God's grace and love. And it flows directly out of that. I thought I would share with you two ways in which Adrian and I try to stay accountable to one another and to God in the area of finances. Firstly, we decided from day one what our values are. And we make financial decisions out of those values. Building the kingdom, being kind, being generous, not owing anybody, providing for our children, and making mem memories. And yes, there's some golf and active wear in there too. <laughs> but that's okay if you have the means for it. And you're transparent about it. Secondly, we have a joint bank account. Everything we earn and spend goes in and out of the same account. There is no yours and mine, it's ours. Except for the act of where that can be mine. <laughs> Won't look very good on you. <laughs> now, I'm not saying this transition is an easy one, especially if you've been single for a long time and you've been financially independent. You spend your money on what you want to spend your money on. It's going to take a lot of adjustment, mentally, emotionally, physically even. It takes constant communication but it's better than fighting over money and ultimately even a split up because of money. A united couple is a powerful force in God's kingdom. So get united and stay united in this area. Be faithful with all that he gives you and he will bless you in ways that you cannot even imagine. On a final note, your stewardship of money will have a direct impact on how your children use money one day. As with, mo as with most, most things, children learn more by what you do than by what you say. They are constantly watching. You, you answer the questions that they don't even need to ask. Do mom and dad fight about money? Are they generous? Do they care about the poor? Is giving to a church a value to them? Does mom pay for some things and dad pay for others? Do they have debt? 
These are things you teach your kids without even having to say a word. When I got my first job, nobody sat me down and taught me what to do with my finances as an adult. But it was instinct for me to say, it's what I witnessed my parents do. All the cars I've ever owned, I've bought cash. It's what I witnessed my parents do. Giving to the church was not even a debate in my mind. It was natural for me. It's what I witnessed my parents do. Make sure you don't normalize the wrong things. Lead by example by being led by the Lord. Be faithful stewards even over little, and God will put you over much. Good morning, church family. So I feel like I'm going to change the rules a little bit. Um, I see Brent left a minute and a half on the screen there. Lee left another minute and a half, so I've got three extra. Um, I'd be lying if I say I didn't have a wobble at about four o'clock yesterday when I realized that my preach was about 20 minutes long. Um, And Adrian gave us seven minutes. For any of you that know him well, he leaves you seven-minute voice notes. So I'm going to do the impossible. Um, Anyway, good morning to you, and it's an honor, obviously, to to share with you for a few minutes. And before I get stuck in, I just want to echo what um, Brent had mentioned just around uh, the Lord has been speaking, obviously, through Pastor Adrian to us, um, and what a brilliant series it's been over the last four weeks. Who would have thought that uh, talking about money could be so cool? Um, I guess our hope and our prayer is that the Lord would speak to us and convict us in the areas of our finances, and that in the areas where we perhaps out of sync that, uh, with his teaching, that we actually honor him with 100% of everything we get. Um, I think sometimes we get so fixated on this 10% tithe that we forget the Lord gave it to us all. That he really cares about the other 90% do. Um, the Lord wants us to worship with our money and not worship money. He also wants us to know that there's a deep connection between our faith and our money. So I'm, as Adrian said, I'm blessed to partner with a number of clients on a daily basis. Oh, I've just lost it. Sorry, this thing's Nearly epic fail. You must know that I just lost my notes, but prior to starting speaking, um, I also had the hiccups. I'm glad that I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) So um, hiccups gone, screen back on. Let's hope it stays there. Um, But I'm blessed, obviously, to to deal with clients and obviously help them with their finances and and just be general better stewards with what they've got. So today I'm just going to give you a basic framework about setting a really good foundation and attaining financial freedom. It ties in a lot with what Adrian's preached over the last couple of weeks. Um, And I really like what he started off, or should I say what he ended off with last week, when he said in all areas, and in in specifically this area of the finances, that it should start with prayer and submission to the Lord. I want to add to that as well and say that we should seek wise, godly counsel. I also love what he spoke about in terms of pre-planning, that you can't just let your finances just happen. I think there's the common cliche that says if we fail to plan, we plan to fail. So I'm going to just take a few minutes now just to expand on some of the practical areas and share some advice. So my title was, and I don't know if it, no, it's not behind me, but is is money makeover. So by a quick raise of hands, how many of you actually do a budget? And you can be honest. Okay, it's probably about half of you, which isn't a good indication because... Everything I have to say starts with a budget. 
For those that haven't, you just need to take out a few minutes of your day, perhaps sometime this week, uh, print out perhaps just three months of statements and start to categorize and itemize where you're spending. My wife and I um, did this as, as recent as the past week. Why? Because we've been going through a couple of changes ourselves and we needed to just highlight and discuss a few areas uh, that we could be far better in. You never just do a budget once. That's why I asked you how many of you have done a budget. Yeah. Your budget requires constant correction. Okay, now I'm going to throw something at you that you've never heard at a pulpit before, but you need to take out insurance too. <laughs> uh, death and disability. So make sure you're adequately covered. I'm not going to go into too much detail here, but I will say this. It's all good and well investing and being good with your money until the day an injury or illness happens. God willing, it doesn't happen, but you can trust me when I say that all your investments and your good planning will go out the window and your debt repayments won't. Number three, paying off debt. Don't be a slave to the lender. Pay off your debts. Again, Andrew had mentioned this in some of his practical stuff um, last week. I'm going to expand on that a little bit. He rightly said that usually you start off with your smallest, smallest, things, uh, smallest debts. I want to change that a little bit and just say you should start with your highest interest rates first. So start with your credit card. Start with retail accounts and home loans. Usually, you're getting charged between 15 and 22%, sometimes more in interest rates. So start with that. You would then move on to your vehicle. Vehicle, your bank is charging you at around prime, maybe prime plus 1 or 2%. So if the prime lending rate is 7, you're paying an interest rate of about 9% on your vehicle. So after paying credit cards and debt, you'd then pay your vehicle. And lastly, it would be your home loan, which is usually around prime, prime minus 1, so around 6 or 7%. I implore you to get out of debt. Debt is the noose around your neck that the devil in the world loves to make money your master. We also know that it prevents you from being generous. The Lord is, and, and I mean, we've learned that uh, this past four weeks, and we know that the Lord teaches us to be generous. But it prevents us from being generous because we cannot pour from an empty cup. Paying off debt can be as simple as cutting out a couple of those grab-and-go coffees that you have on a virtually daily basis. A meal or two at a restaurant, a subscription, ladies, that extra pair of shoes that you really don't need. Sometimes just being ruthless and reprioritizing your finances, what counts? I think COVID and lockdown over the last year, year and a half has probably been a healthy reminder, it certainly has been to me, of the things that we can actually do without um, and made us really appreciate the things that money couldn't necessarily buy, our relationships, spending time together like today in communion with others. So saving and cutting a couple of hundred rand a week translates into a couple of thousand or a thousand or two a month. So what do you do when you found that extra couple of hundred or, or an extra thousand or two? You start to obviously channel it towards debt. How many of you know a home loan of roughly one and a half million? It's a repayment of about 11,500 to your bank. By increasing that, just by that 1,000 rand that you managed to find, you save yourself to over 250,000 rand in interest. But more importantly, you reduce that down to a 16, 16 and a half year term. It can be that simple. It's building healthy habits. And remember, like investments, we hear, uh, you know, investment, we talk about comp compound interest. Healthy habit, habits compound two. Number four, emergency savings. Adrian mentioned this again, end of last week, three to six months. Great. 
But depending on your risk profile, and what I mean by a risk profile is depending on the nature of what you do. Oh, beautiful, I've got three minutes, I'm taking it. Um, uh, depending on your risk profile, uh, many of us know in the top of industries there's maybe a high likelihood that we would be maybe retrenched or made redundant. Some of us are business owners or got a small business. We know our businesses are cyclical. So we want to try and obviously try and shoot closer to maybe six months. It should also be via a money market or interest bearing account. It needs to be separate to a normal transactional account. It needs to be interest earning and it needs to be separate. The fifth and final one, guys. Invest for the long term. Invest in growth assets. Many of people don't know where to begin. They hear the word invest and it sounds great, but I say start by buying businesses. That means purchasing shares in good businesses or one could invest in property. And when I say property, I don't mean your primary residence. No, your bond and your primary residence is not an investment. It's great to put extra money into your bond and paying off debt, but it's not investing. Why? Because you always need somewhere to live. <laughs> and as for as long as you live in your home, it's going to cost you money in maintenance and expenses, yeah. and the list goes on. Your primary residence doesn't pay you any income unless you plan on renting out a couple of rooms within the house, which none of us plan to really do. But I often hear people say to me, but Aaron, I bought my house for 900,000 rand in 2008. I sold it 10 years later at 1.4 million. But my question is, could you buy your same house again 10 years later for 900,000? No, you couldn't. Your primary residence is best, maybe keeps up a little bit over inflation. So while paying off your bond is important, it really, and, and really does, does free up extra cash, it shouldn't be relied on as a long-term investment. Lastly, your bank account and the 32-day account is, is not an investment. It's a transactional account. It's important as part of our planning. It sets up our day-to-day -day costs, and obviously um, it's where our emergency money should go. Why? Because interest-bearing accounts give you 3.5%, 4 4% interest, and the cost of living inflation is around 4%. So what does that mean? It means 100,000 rand today in a year's time grows in the bank to 104,000. But inflation also requires that same 100,000 rand to be 104,000 a year later to buy you the same, same, same goods. So the easiest way to start, uh, I mentioned just now, to start investing is by investing in businesses. You can do that just by a good old unit trusts or an ETF exchange traded fund for 500 rand per month. So I'm going to end in saying and encouraging you to look after the pennies and say to you that the pounds will look after themselves. And also Luke 16.10, whoever is faithful with little will also be faithful with much. Cheers. Jeez, that was an extra two and a half minutes there, Aaron. Come on, while the Holy Spirit is here, the presence of God is here, and I want to stir you up a little bit. I want to shake you up a little bit. And uh, I want you to know a few things this morning, okay? Um, uh, 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 how many of you know, how many of you know that trust and obedience go together? Trust and obedience go together, right? Turn to your neighbor and say trust. Say it from your gut, trust. Turn to your second choice and say obey. Trust and obey. Let's do it again. First choice, trust. Second choice, obey. Right. We trust God because He's good. We trust God because He's good. 
And because we trust, obedience follows. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. When our trust is faulty, our response to God is not so good, is it? So our response is determined by our trust. So let's take a step back and let's look at our trust. Let's ask ourselves, what's going on with our trust? Do we really trust God? Do we really trust God? So trust is just another word for faith. And obedience is just another word for action. The Bible says in the book of James that faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. So if you're struggling to respond to the voice of God, if you're struggling in your giving, in that act of giving, that act of faith, you have to take a step back and look at your trust levels. You have to take a step back and look at your trust levels. So what's the antidote to it? What's the antidote to building your trust? What's the antidote to building your faith? It's the Word of God. Because when you read the Word of God... You learn more about who God is, and through revelation, you start to discover that God is good. And so you trust God because He is good. And when you trust God, obedience follows. So what do we need? We need surrender. We need to learn to surrender. Let me, let me show you how this, this works uh, practically. Uh, Pastor A, can I ask you to... Uh, I, won't, I, won't, I won't choke you this time. <laughs> okay, so, so pretend you're Jesus, right? <laughs> You've got the beard and everything, so it's all good. Right, so um, when we put our faith in Jesus and we get born again, we get yoked to him. We get yoked to Jesus. Can you just put your, shoulder, your hand on my shoulder? There we go. We're yoked together, right? And then Jesus says we're going on a journey. Right? We're going on a journey of sanctification, a journey of perfection, a journey of growth in Him. Right? And uh, our faith should grow. But here's what happens. We say, yes, Jesus, I, I know you're God, right? But because I don't fully trust that you're going to provide in this season or in this journey, I'm just going to get me a few things for this journey. I'm just going to uh, get some water for the trip and so on. So I kind of like detach a little bit, right? And then I uh, kind of get myself a few things to take for the trip, right? So I, I kind of uh, grabbed this to kind of lean on a little bit, and then maybe I need uh, some water for the trip, right? So I, I go and I grab some water, and then maybe I need some snacks for the trip, right? And then my hands end up full with stuff, yeah. right? And what am I doing? I'm leaning on the stuff rather than in Jesus, yeah. right? So the Bible says in uh, Psalm 55, um, in verse 22, sorry, I still need you. No, no, not yet. Psalm 55 and verse 2, cast your burdens unto the Lord and he will sustain you. And then it says, the Lord will not permit the righteous to be moved. In the King James Version, it says that the Lord will not suffer the righteous to be moved. So what God says in, uh, in Matthew 11, verse 29, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, right? And learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest yeah. Come on. in me for your souls. You'll find rest. 
So how do you act upon surrender? Thank you. So how do you act upon surrender? Because it's a doing word, right? How do you act upon surrender, especially when it comes to your giving? How do you put faith into action when it comes to surrender? Well, for Nangi and I, every month when we receive our salaries, we take 10%. Before we do anything else, we take 10%, sometimes more, and we bring it to the storehouse. Before we do anything else, we say, God, we surrender everything to you. We're bringing 10%, but it's symbolic of the 100, right? And we surrender to you. And that is trust and obedience. Trust and obey. Come on, if God has been good to you this morning, if God has been good in your life, why don't you give him a shout of praise? Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. God bless you. Good morning, everyone. Um, how can I follow that? <laughs> and also, I think I have to do what Brent was doing, put my step counter on. Okay, sorry. So, sorry about that, Brent. I'm just jealous about the hair and everything as well. Guys, I'm not a speaker. I don't have any notes. I'm telling you our story of what, how um, good God's been to us. Kanta and I and our journey. He brought me all the way from Kenya where I was born to the UK where I was educated and back into Africa. Never thought that I would be doing that. And God is good because I was miles away. I became a Christian at the age of 15 from being a Hindu to being a Christian. But then in the UK, I went far away from him. But he had a plan for me. And that plan was, I want you back. And he did everything he did because he wanted me back. And I've never been closer to God as I am since being in South Africa. Also, with Kanto, who's been a strength to me, she's taught me so many things uh, about giving. Without fail, whether we have anything in the, on ourselves or in the bank account, she's taught me about giving without conditions to a point now that I will tip car guards 20 rands, 100 rands, whatever I have in my pocket, whatever I, do, I have in the car. And that's part of what God's saying. Don't store everything you have because I've got greater things for you. Okay? And he's taught us also to absolutely surrender all our money to him. How can a company in South Africa, small, starting in the garage, with a vessel I think I bought at, a, um, um, at an auction, and now we are employed 30 people, export around the world. We signed on three large pharmaceutical companies who are buying from us our intellectual property. And every day we think, oh no, we don't have any orders for next month. God just goes out of his way to not just give us orders, but give people into our lives who we never thought we, we would have. Yeah. Businesses into our lives which we never thought we would have. Yeah, right? He's been absolutely faithful to us 
And we don't do it because we want anything back. We do it because God's in our heart has said, you look after my people and I will look after you. Yes. Right? We have 30 staff who get fed every morning. Lunchtime. We buy cows for those who have families in Malawi, for example. And they lost one cow who was feeding the family and the, and the village they were in. We bought them two calves. Okay? To feed not this, just that village, but another village. Okay? Why? Because God is just absolutely... That's what he wants us to do. Yes. Not keep it in your pocket. Yes. He wants us to uh, expand the kingdom of God through church. When you give, you're not giving to Pastor Adrian. Yeah. You're giving to a kingdom. Yeah. And that's something I've learned along the way. But even if I die today, I'm at absolute peace. And how many of us can say that? Yeah. Not often. So all I would say to you is don't hold back on your giving, whether it's to church or to people. God has so much more than you can even think of. I'm fearful in so many ways. But Cantha is fearless. (laughs) And I was with you two. You know, um, she's my boss at work and she's my boss at home as well. Okay? But you know what? Uh, God, uh, I'm just taken back by God's plan for us. Yeah. We're talking t- uh, about going into a, another factory. This is about our third or fourth move. Because starting from the garage to now looking for a 2,500, 3,000 square meter factory. Sure. How can that happen? And that's because if you're faithful to God, he, was, he will support you in every single part of your life yeah. where there's money where there's support where there is just encouragement yeah. Yeah. through uh, through the worst of life okay and that's all i have to say i think i've got oh minutes and a half left yeah. thank you thank you thanks so much eddie hi everybody So, I love talking about money. Um, (laughs) I don't love money, but I love talking about it. Especially because um, God has done a miracle um, in my finances. Um, I'm one of those people who started out with broken trust and obedience uh, and faulty finances. Um, And this changed for me about nine years ago. Or ten, nine or ten years ago. And that's when I met this guy behind me, <laughs> Will. Um, <laughs> a lot of things changed at that time, actually. Um, but I didn't start giving consistently um, until I was about 24. And, you know, unlike Lee, we, in my family, we didn't always have a consistent culture of giving. It was more sporadic or haphazard. Um, and so I didn't give with intent. I didn't give without pre-deciding or pre-planning. And so I gave a lot of praise with my mouth, 
but my finances did not give praise to the Lord. Um, and I think I understood the principle of giving, but I didn't understand the practice. And I hope that everyone sitting in here, you understand the heart of God and for your giving. And as a result of this series, that you will start doing the practical. So, um, like I said, I learned a lot about giving from, from Will, from my husband, um, because he's very organized. He's very practical. He's good at planning. Um, if you've ever seen him do dishes, he will spend 30 minutes setting up <laughs> the dishes. He'll separate the plates from the glasses, from the spoons and the knives. And sometimes I'd walk past him and I'd say to myself, is he alphabetizing the dishes? <laughs> and I think sometimes he does, but you know, I'm, I'm more haphazard. I'm just gonna throw everything in. If it comes out clean, good. If it doesn't, we'll see it again next time. <laughs> so, so he took this practical approach to his finances as well. And basically, uh, while we were dating, uh, one of the things that I observed that he did is that he would take um, a, a budget, so he had an Excel spreadsheet, he'd set it up, probably spent more time setting it up, and then he would tweak it every, every month. Um, and, <laughs> and on his budget, he would set up his giving, and it was the one thing that he really didn't change a lot in the sense of removing it from the budget. So all of his other expenses, he would plan around his giving, right? And what I saw from that is that everything else was submitted, um, or all his other expenses were submitted to the Lord. And, and his, his money gave praise to his Lord. You could tell if you opened his bank account who he followed and who he believed in. And so I wanted the same for myself. So I asked him to help me with my finances and um, took that budget, broke down uh, my expenses and put my giving there first, right? Um, so I put my giving there first and then I started to give um, uh, consistently and then everything else came after. And now that we're married, he handles the budget. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I'm so grateful. Um, and, and so the reason that we plan for our giving is because we want our money to give praise to our Father, right? We want our finances to show that we believe that God owns everything that we have and everything else comes number two, right? And we realize that it, it's important to plan your giving because if you don't plan your giving, the only thing you're doing is that you're planning for what you keep. And unfortunately, you get to keep none of it anyway. Yeah. We're not taking any of it to heaven. Yeah. Um, and in simple terms, right, if you don't plan for your selflessness, you will only plan for your selfishness. Yeah. And that's a little bit sad, hey? Um, <laughs> so, so I think the gist of what I'm saying is you have to plan you're giving. You have to plan to give and you have to let the Holy Spirit guide you with your money yeah. and guide you in your finances. Yeah. Um, and when you plan, what happens is, if you've read 2 Corinthians 9-7, when you plan, right, you don't feel compulsion, right? You don't feel forced, right? You will be set and determined about what it is you're going to give. Yeah. 
and it is easy to give cheerfully. You will delight in it. I have come to delight in my giving because God has empowered me to decide. And um, so I give cheerfully every month. So I'd like to encourage you today, if anyone has listened to this, this series and you've given spontaneously in the last couple of weeks, and if you've gone, oh, great word, I'm going to give, uh, and forgotten about it. I think the season for spontaneous giving, there's a se- you can k- keep giving spontaneously, but the season for spontaneous giving only, decide that it ends today, yeah. right? And then plan for the future for what you will give to the church, because it's exhausting, guys. If you earn a salary from the church and we tell you, maybe this month you'll earn something, and maybe next month you won't. It's really tough, but we want to support the word of the ministry. So decide today. Be intentional. Give to the Lord. Be cheerful. God will change you through what you give. Come on, let's give it up for all of these guys. You can stay seated, you can stay here. Your, your pretty faces uh, create a great backdrop for our photographer. So um, yeah, a lot of practical things, spiritual things, and, and, and isn't it amazing how combined it is? Isn't it amazing how the Word of God actually applies to our lives every, in every single way, in every single day? Uh, even in these areas that uh, we've, we've kind of separated from the work of God, I just know that in my life, I just want to give everything I am to God. And if there's an area that I feel that I'm unable to do that, then I need His grace. And it's about, it's about what's happening in my heart as I'm able to take those steps. And this is why Jesus spoke about these things. And, and that's why we should be good stewards. We should have the budget. We should make the plans. Because ultimately what the plans do is they free us up to be generous when it's time to be generous. And they free us up to have a bigger vision for our lives. I, I love that scripture. I mentioned it in one of the, the, the parts that we did in the series where there was a man who gave alms and it came up as a memorial before God. There was a, it stood in eternity, his generosity. And that's the kind of lives we want to live. We don't want to live small, self-seeking lives, but big lives that trust in God in a big way and have a big impact. Amen. And so this is some great stuff that these guys have been sharing. But we're going to just do, th- to end off with, since we had a few extra minutes there again, uh, we're going to do three quick testimonies um, of some guys that just actually during the series, as we've been going through it, we got so many messages. It, this whole thing has just pointed to Jesus in such a powerful way that we had so many people say, I didn't understand the liberation and the, the worship, the honor that I could, that I could give to God. Uh, from a subject like this. And so uh, we know that there were people that when we started, and if you're a visitor with, with us today, maybe you were one of those people that, you know, kind of rolled their eyes, you know, another church that talks about money. If you know us, this is something we very rarely do. And that was our mistake because we realized that being so sensitive about the perception about it, we weren't actually discipling people in it. And that's what God called us to do. And so people, some of the people who, who were rolling their eyes in the beginning were giving the testimonies by the end, you know. And so that's just a powerful thing. So we're going to, and I'm not saying that any of these guys gonna share, that are going to share today were rolling their eyes. Um, but, uh, but I want to call up Azelia first and foremost, um, just to come and share. Put your hands together for Azelia as she says a testimony. I was hoping I can stand down here because I'm really tall. Um, <laughs> hi, everyone. So very similar to Lee, when I gave, found the Lord, I sort of 
tried to make a deal that I will serve, but I just never want to give my testimony. <laughs> and um, God did not say yes to that. So yeah, I am. Um, yes, so tithing and serving, well, especially tithing has always been very difficult for me. Um, and I've been struggling the past few years extremely with, with finances, mostly because my, both my parents were really ill and everything was going towards their medical bills and carers and things like that. And um, I would tell myself that that is how I tithed. So I would give to them instead of to God. And that is not how it works. And um, at the end of 2019, by then they were both, they both passed on. Um, but I was still struggling very much. Um, and then at the beginning of this year, I, um, I got a very clear message and things like that also doesn't happen to me that there will be a shift in my uh, professional life. And I didn't know what it was, but I kept praying for it. And then um, this series started, and it really touched me a lot every single week. Um, and then about three weeks ago, out of the blue, my boss called me and she told me, thank you so much for everything you've done, and we think that this is your time. So I work for a media company. I was commercial manager. I did really didn't earn a lot for the TV channel. Um, and then she promoted me out of the blue to the head of the channel, which was a really big thing for me. And I immediately said yes without speaking about money or anything. Couldn't believe it, because it was the job that I was hoping for, like maybe in five or ten years, definitely not now. Um, and then afterwards I thought, I didn't pray about this. I don't know if this is where God wants me, and also my salary was so low, so the step up might not even do anything. And then I started praying for, I budgeted, <laughs> and then I started praying for a specific amount that I really, really need. And the Sunday afterwards, I was sitting at the back, really still stressed about the salary thing. Um, and then the, the Lord told me to give everything that's in my bag. Just the last week of the month, I was like... It's not only the only everything I have in my bag, it's everything I have, period. <laughs> so I can't do this, maybe 50 rand. And um, God said, test me in this, Malachi 3. So I really didn't want to. But then I put what I had, it was not a lot, in the envelope, and I gave it to the offering. And then Pastor A started speaking, and he said, well, one of the verses was, test me in this. And... Um, it was a shock to my system. And um, I checked my phone at that very same time. And my boss at that moment, randomly on a Sunday morning, sent me my new offer. And it was exactly what I prayed for, as in exactly. <laughs> so I just want to say thank you so much for that. And I've learned so much through this series. And mostly it was that the series was not about giving money to the church. It was about giving your everything, uh, my everything, and putting my entire faith in God finally. Um, and also, if you, I realized that if I limit certain parts of my life from God, then I am limiting God for what he can do in mine. And that's it. Thank you. Awesome. Come on. Such a great testimony, and uh, God is so faithful. Can we give it up for Azealia one more time there? 
All right, next up we have got Ash. Ash is also one of those. I don't know if this has been like the introverts series, but uh, morning. But Ash also, you know, is one of those guys that would probably um, make a vow to never speak before people. But, uh, you know, he's got an incredible testimony as well. So put your hands together for Ash as he comes up. Sure. Um, when Brent asked me uh, to share some some uh, little bit of testimonies about money, I said to him, geez, which one? You know, like God's been so good to me in so many times. Like I forgot more more examples than I can remember, you know. But uh, most recent one is uh, in January, after a pretty good year last year, everybody needed a website in COVID all of a sudden, you know. But uh, <laughs> in January, uh, three of my big monthly clients just called me and said, we're shutting our doors. We, we can't afford to keep going anymore. So that meant straight away three pretty big, you know, in monthly incomes were just gone. So it, it kicked off quite a tense little bit of time for me. <laughs> um, so after a month, uh, you know, like I couldn't afford to keep my medical aid going. So it kind of lapsed. And I went without medical aid for two months, and I started to realize this is a really bad idea because I got a, I've got a kidney disease, so I can't mess around with medical aid. So I phoned them and I said, you know, like, what, what's it going to take to get this thing switched back on? Can I just start, start from scratch? Let's just forget about the past. Let's just, <laughs> you know, like, I'll, I'll just pay you at 6,000 rand. So let me give you 6,000 rand and we can go on our way. And they said, no, well, you need to pay those two months that you owe. So... So I was like, okay, not 6,000, like 13,000. So I said, no, well, like, we think you're a bit sketchy now, you know. So let's let's call it two months and the next month up front. So now it's like 18, so I'm like cheapest, you know. Like, I, I was like thinking, you know, if, I, if I'm careful, I can get the six together. But now it's 18. It's like just nothing, you know. So, like, I, I didn't know what to do. So I just left it, and I... I barely even prayed about it because I've, I've been down this road with God before. I just said to him, like, this is you. Like, I don't have that. I've got no plans for it. Um, and I'm, I'm very independent, and I don't like to ask people for anything. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't ask anybody or anything like that. But uh, uh, my, my uh, friend group on WhatsApp, somebody said, how's business for you? And I told them, look, it's not good. You know, like, I haven't paid my medical aid, so... You know, it's, it's a bit tense at the moment. So the next day, I get a call from a friend overseas, and he says, yes, I, I've had you on my heart, especially your finances, for a couple of months now, and I didn't really know how to broach the topic. I didn't know how to bring it up with you, but seeing as though you messaged in the group yesterday and mentioned this, I thought, like, this is it, you know? So how much do you owe? Let me, let me pay it for you. So I said, oh, buddy, man, I can't ask you to do that. It's, it's 18,000 rand. Like, I can't ask you for that. I said, not a problem. I'll send it now. <laughs> So I was like, okay, wow, you know. So next day, he paid it. I paid the medical aid, and it's all back up and running, you know, which is awesome. But what that taught me is, like, kind of two things. Like, first of all, if every time somebody says, how are you doing? And you say, oh, you know, God's good, great. You know, I'm doing great. Like, it's fantastic. Like, that's not going to help anybody because, you know, how's, how's anybody going to know what to pray for you? How's anybody going to know what to do for you if all you say is like, oh, you know, everything's great. Like, I'm great. It's great, great. Great, great, great. It's like it's not helping anybody. But, you know, secondly, it's, it's about that obedience. Like, like we can't, you know, you know, we can't expect God to do something amazing if we're not willing to give that little bit. You know, like the Jesus fed those 5,000 with the, with the fishes and the bread, but like he didn't, he didn't just like materialize that food out of nothing. He could have, 
but he waited for somebody to bring those five loaves, you know. So, like, you've got to be, you know, on both sides of this coin. Like, at some point, you're going to be the one giving and you're going to be the one receiving. So, at some point, you're going to be either of those. So, be ready to be obedient to give and, and also be ready to be vulnerable and honest about where you are. So, yeah, that's me. <laughs> so good. I heard somebody once say that, you know, God is our provider, but people are his supply chain. And so we must be aware of when God wants to uh, bless others through us, you know, like that guy. Because of that awareness that he had, he was ready to, you know, God had been speaking to him and he was ready to bless Ash. And I know that Ash is also ready to bless others, but also the ability to receive uh, is important. So thank you for that. Ash, last one for today, uh, we have got Brenda who's going to come forward and, uh, and share some of her story. Put your hands together for Brenda. So just, um, Will, your teaching was an intro for mine with trust and obedience. Because um, it's always easy to say trust. And as he said, I trust God, yes, God, trust in everything. And when it comes to, I could do this, then like, oof, you know, my logic mind says to me, no, you, you can't do that. So I had a job with a mining company and a very quite a high position up senior senior manager and then they liquidated. The mine closed, we didn't get retrenchments, we didn't get nothing, the mine just closed down. And I was without a job for a year. And um, driving out of a recruitment agency about a year later, um, just having heard the message, the lady said to me, listen, um, a lady of your age <laughs> uh, isn't very high in demand, you know, that, so that already was a shock to me. Um, she said, um, so, yes, my heart was like sank, you know, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm, I'm not in demand anymore. I get a phone call from somebody I'd known a year ago from my previous job, and he says, listen, I know this company, they're looking for a financial manager. This lady's going to call you, her name is Sue. And if any of you don't know, it was Sue Hall. <laughs> um, but it's, she's going to call you, and that's all he tells me. He doesn't tell me a company name, no telephone numbers, nothing. So I waited. I thought the call would come the next day. No call. A week later, no call. Two weeks later, no call. And I thought, ugh, it's just one of those things. And then on the 13th of December evening, around about 8 o'clock, Sue gives me a call. And I missed the call. Yes, so. <laughs> like, you know, what, what, else, what else can go wrong? Finally called her back the next day. And she said to me, look, we're all on holiday for December. Company is closed down. We'll be back in January. We'll call you to come for an interview back then. So I waited. January comes 15th. Still Sue, no call. <laughs> She's not very good at the calling. <laughs> Two weeks later, still no call from Sue. And eventually I call. So now she told me in that first call, ProBlast is the company's name. I've Googled them and I know where their offices are. The offices are in Zinnia Road. She says to me, okay, come in for an interview. In the meantime, what had happened, I had to move out of where I was living. I couldn't stay there anymore. I had to find new accommodation. I haven't had money for a year, no salary, no nothing. In junk mail, I find this apartment that's for rent. I call the lady. She says, yo, you go down Main Road, you turn right into Zinnia. And there it is. And ProBlast is in Zinnia Road. So this is just a message that I'm going to get this job. So that's the trust part that comes in. But she says to me, you've got to sign a contract for a year. But I haven't, I haven't even gone for the interview yet. How do I sign the contract for a year not even having gone for an interview yet? And, and that's where the obedience comes in. And I had to go back to the Bible how many times, and he just kept saying over to me, seek the kingdom of God first, Matthew 6.33, and I will give you everything that you need. So I had to keep going back to the Bible and just getting a word from him. 
And so I signed the contract. No interview yet, no nothing. I signed a one-year contract on that cottage in the same road as what the ProBlast offices were going to be. So I finally had my interview with Sue. And you're also at that stage now like, I can't ask too much money. I'm, I'm so desperate for this job. The enemy tells me you're not worth as much, you know. You go for the lowest possible that you can go for, you know. So I do that. I work out my finances. If I can only pay rent, have a little bit of grocery money, and if I can uh, pay my car and petrol, that's enough. So in the interview, Sue asks me, what's your salary expectation? So I'm, okay, I'm fine. I'm, I'm giving my lowest of my minimum money that I will need. Any emergencies, I'm going to be in too much trouble. Sue calls me a week later. She says... Um, you got the job. Congratulations. The director's all happy. You got the job. She says, oh, and by the way, we're starting you on your salary you used to get at the previous company. And that's like three times for what I'd asked for. And it, he just gave it to me and he said to me, you're worth it. Why, why put yourself down there? You know, if I'm going to look after you, I'm going to look after you in abundance more than more than more. He provided for me in way over... But another thing the enemy had said to me before the time is, uh, you know, how do you know the people in the interview are going to like you? Yes, maybe God can arrange for the interview, but it's up to those individuals sitting there. So what if they don't like you? So Sue told me the story of what happened afterwards, that God had started working in her heart six months before me even coming into the picture in where she'd had to get a caretaker for her mom. And hundreds of people had applied for this position. And the one lady that she'd connected with, that knew was going to be guest, best for her mom, this lady's name was Brenda as well. So when Chris called Sue and said, Sue, I've got somebody for you who'll work good, and her name's Brenda, Sue had already known that this was going to be the person that she was going to hire, not even having met me yet. <laughs> so when the enemy tells you, you know, there's other people out there, it all depends on them. God had gone six months before even and started working in Sue's heart with my name. And that's where Isaiah 43, I called you by your name, you are mine. He'd, he'd used my name to plant it in Sue's heart six months before. And by the time she met me in my interview, she said, Brenda, I already knew I was going to take you. I didn't even have to come and interview you. I, I, God had said to me it was going to be you. So it's just how... When it comes to now the trust and obedience part, when he says do something and your logic mind says to you, but I can't, I mean, I'm an accountant. How do you sign a year contract not knowing where your money is going to come from next month? And he said, trust, just trust me. Take that step and trust. And that's what I did. So thanks to Sue as well, my mentor. Come on. I think the, the overall focus today is that God is so good. Come on. He loves us. He takes care of us. Um, you know, I've, I've got three boys and, you know, my wife knows that many times she has to put the brakes on when it comes to birthdays because I just can't stop myself from like, but if I just got them this one extra thing, they'll love it. They'll love it. She's like, they're going to forget about it in a day and break it. You know, like, I'm like, no, they'll love it. You know, like, and, and that's what love does. You know, love doesn't put a measurement. It, and and the, the love that God has for us, the Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave us everything. And then it goes on to say in Romans that having given us his son, how much will he not with him give us all things, right? He gave Jesus up for us. Why do we think he won't continue to look after us? 
And so I'm praying really that everybody here today, whether it's your first time in church in a very long time or whether you've been here every Sunday, that God would give you a revelation of how much God loves you and longs to take care of you. And that because of that, we can be absolutely set free from fear and anxiety over the things of this world. And we can just be about his business, that we can just be about eternal uh, things with eternal purposes. Amen. Amen. Come on, it's been such an incredible series. Can we thank all of our speakers today? Thank you, guys. You've been amazing.